Hey, good evening and welcome in to an October 1st edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, glad to have you along. Still obviously need help with the tech here, okay? I'd love to have somebody who wants to help me make this look better, distribute it better. Uh, I can do the content. I just am not good at the distribution, particularly, let's say, Rumble, okay? I think Rumble's a format that doesn't cancel people because I have the faith portion of the podcast at the end of the podcast. I don't want to get canceled because I'm putting out Christian content in tandem with leadership content. So if you can help me get established on Rumble in terms of whatever followers I need to do to live stream, I'm going to download this video and post it on my Rumble account. But I just need a little help with a bunch of this stuff. And I'm blogging, and I'm also streaming. I'm also doing some other things. But uh, trying to build, I think, a platform as an independent journalist because I want to do some long-form journalism, and I'll have something on a situation at Ohio State later in the week that nobody's writing about, nobody's talking about. But I think it's culturally relevant, and I think it's very relevant to our world today. As I told you, this reconstituted We Tackle Life podcast is not a game results podcast. It is a kind of broad takeaway, big-picture look at things that happen in sports and we reflect on it through a leadership and a truth or a non-truth lens. And there's a lot of non-truth out there, and I think it's damaging our culture. And in light of this brain tumor and surgery and all that, um, I'm as people ask me, what's your life expectancy? And I'm like, I am concerned about my life potency, not my life expectancy. And I want my life to have potency. So I hope you guys are reading the blog. You can go to brucehooley.com and read my blog. You may start a stub, sub stack. I think I am going to start a sub stack. Um, there's a bunch of people out there trying to help us, which we really appreciate. Here, why, here's why we're accepting help, okay? Let me explain this. I'm not going to really actively solicit help here. There's other places you want to find it, you can. But here's why we're, we're accepting help. Because we feel strong. We don't expect it, but we will accept it. Because when people are prompted to help and you stop them from helping, you get in the way of the blessing they get from being obedient to God and helping. Chris and I, Chris Spielman and I, had this conversation a long time ago, and um, maybe he'll come back on and we can have it again because uh, his part of the conversation is an essential element. But that's why we are accepting help, and we have been lavished with help. And I just, one, one quick story, a friend had his grandchildren write me notes, and they were precious, precious, precious notes. So thank you, Tom, and thank you to uh, the young people. I don't want to mention a name and violate a confidence, but just awesome stuff. Okay, so let's get into it. Ryder Cup loss, okay? Ryder Cup loss, it was ugly. It was ugly from day one. It was ugly from session one. It was ugly all the way around. Uh, guys lose golf matches, okay? Uh, I, I cried out the first two days of the Ryder Cup for some kind of smart analysis on why is this happening. Because here's the deal. The thing about a Ryder Cup beatdown, and the U.S. got down 4-0 in the first morning matches on Friday, and you know it didn't make an appreciable impact in the afternoon. So they're up against it right away. And I'm like, why is this happening? And it, it's not, I know the easy take is, oh, they're a bunch of chokers, and they don't care, and they're entitled, and... All right, I don't think it's that, okay? I mean, some of it's that, maybe a little bit. But they're on European soil. Europe's are the, are the home team. They get set the course and all this kind of stuff. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for a decent analysis. Instead, what I got, and I'm sorry for looking at my phone, but I want to refresh some of the things that people said. We got these nonsense bootlick 
obvious but say nothing kind of comments from everybody, from everybody, from Justin Leonard, from Steve Sands, from Kara Banks. We got them from everybody. Now, look, I get it. I've worked in radio and you're, you're partners with the people you're broadcasting with and all that. But let me just give you an instance. When the U.S. finally won a match, finally won a match the second day, they finally won a match the second day in the morning, Justin Leonard said of Max Homa and Brian Harmon in the morning, first full match point in 12 matches in the Ryder Cup, Justin Leonard said, I wouldn't be surprised if they go back out there this afternoon together. Wow. Uh, That's a bold strategy. You've played 12 matches. Only one of your 12 teams has won a full point, and you're going to put them back out there again together right away? Yes, Captain Obvious, you are. They're going to go out. They ought to go out first. And, I mean, come on, Justin, turn it around. Say, they just gave the U.S. their first full point. No doubt they're going out They're going out together. And they're going to see if they can build some momentum here. We're going to see if we can build some momentum. We get behind Max Homa, Brian Harmon, a couple Bulldogs. We're gonna, like, be more precise, okay? Be more precise. Here's another one from uh, Kara Fisher. I know you're in here, Kara, because you're in here a lot, and I apologize. Not Kara Swisher. Kara, Kara Banks. Kara Banks. I want to say Kara Swisher. I don't even know who Kara Swisher is, but I found her on Twitter, and I figured that's who it was. Uh, I know she's right here. Sorry about this. She said something about, um, oh, why can't I find it? Anyway, sorry about the uh, awkward uh, edit here. I'm trying to balance. Here we go. Nope, that's where I apologize for picking the wrong person. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about Zach Johnson. Uh, Zach Johnson got housed as a captain. Luke Donald did a great job. Here's the snarky thing. Hey, Luke Donald finally won something. I was always like, how is Luke Donald world number one? He never wins anything. He might win a Greensboro Classic. I I don't even remember Luke Donald ever contending in a major. My brain might be off, but uh, at any rate, Luke Donald finally won something. I will say for Kara Banks, her interview with Luke Donald after winning... I thought it went on too long. I thought it took, it really didn't go on too long. It went, it took too long to get started. She got great emotion out of him, asking him about what it meant to him and all that kind of stuff. That was the best TV she did all weekend. Here's some of the worst TV that she did this weekend. So McElroy and Fleetwood just blast Spieth and Thomas. And Spieth and Thomas, who are supposed to be hammers for the U.S., are not playing well and Justin Thomas shouldn't have been on the team, and everybody knew it. But they baby Jordan Spieth because, oh, Jordan can't play with anybody but Justin Thomas, so we've got to put Justin on the team. No, that was a bad idea. So Kara Banks says to Tommy Fleetwood of about Spieth and Thomas, who's who are 0-1-1 and not competitive, do you sense they're a little out of sorts this week? A little out of sorts? Like, a little out of sorts, no, not a little out of sorts. Justin Leonard said the U.S. was having trouble finishing matches off. They got down 4-0 in, like, the first match of the second day after losing four matches to start the morning session. Like, they're having trouble finishing matches off. No, they're having trouble playing matches. They're having trouble contending in matches. They're having trouble, like, keeping from vomiting all over themselves. Like. That was just nuts. It was just nuts. So we get to Paul Azinger, finally. Azinger comes on, and I'm, I'm waiting for Johnny Miller. I wish Johnny Miller was still on, but he's not. And Azinger brought some serious analysis. No doubt, not all his own, but that's why you have researchers. 
So Azinger says, if you notice, they have set up the par fours so that the U.S. has to hit clubs in from 180 to 220 yards. It took the wedges out of their hands. Well, that's interesting. Then he backed it up with results, and he said in the last three Ryder Cups in Europe, in the alternate shot matches, okay, so you play four alternate shot matches on Friday, four alternate shot matches on Saturday, so there's eight in each Ryder Cup. So in the last three Ryder Cups, if there's eight in each one, there'd be 24 points. Total, Europe in the alternate shot has gone 20 and four. 20 and four. That's decisive. That's why the U.S. can't win. Great stat, Paul Azinger. Great TV. We were waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, and we finally, finally got it. So then they Sunday, they, they paint the picture Sunday that these guys have a chance, and Scheffler goes out there with Rom, and he's got a makeable birdie putt on one and two, and he yaks. I feel bad for Scotty Scheffler. Like, look, you guys know, sometimes in golf you're playing bad, sometimes you're playing great. If you can't make a putt, you can't play great. And I thought Scheffler did a great job to, like, eke out a half a point with Rom on Sunday. But let's try to get to the leadership part of this. Zach Johnson, bad leadership decision. He's on a tee questioning Jordan Spieth about his club selection. Don't get in front of your players. Not in a moment. Bad idea. Okay, bad, bad, bad idea. Also, uh, Zach Johnson kept saying, he kept saying, there's a lot of golf left. There's a lot of golf left. You know, it's only we got all, oh, it's only this percentage is here. There's a lot of golf left. We got to do a lot of golf. We got a lot of golf left. Okay, so if there's a lot of golf left, then why on Sunday were they telling us when the singles started and the Europeans started fast that the U.S. had to get off to a fast start? Now, I understand the concept of the U.S. having to get off to a fast start because you want to get some red on the board. But golf's an 18-hole match. In match play, it may not be. You can't get way behind. More precise, more precise in the analysis, please, which is the U.S. can't get down big early. They can afford to play patty cake for five or six holes. There might even be some utility in that. Get the Euros a little nervous. Rom, Hovland, all these guys whatever, ripping everybody's tail all week long. Why can't we break away from them today? Something about these Yanks we don't know, we don't like, don't like what we see. They're competitive. They can play patty cake. They couldn't fall behind. They didn't have to get off to a fast start. They didn't have to, and they didn't get off to a fast start. But just I'd love for our analysts to be a lot more precise in what they say because truth matters or should matter, and it does matter. It does, it's not a matter of it should. It does matter, and when we get lazy reporting, and we get it not just in sports, it's not as nefarious when we get it in sports, but when we get it just in sports, or, or excuse me, when we get it in sports and we get it in other media, it doesn't hold people accountable, for instance, like policymakers. There's a lot of dishonest reporting about crime and about everything. And then the policymakers skate, and I will say this, the one experience that I've had coming out of this brain tumor revelation and surgery is that there is no political solution in our country. There is no political solution that I see. There is a political solution to return to God and his truth, but there is no political solution. That's really a spiritual solution, by the way. But there is no political solution because neither side is capable of telling the truth. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth right here. I'm going to tell you the truth about everything backed up by the Bible, not my version. There is no my truth. There's biblical truth. Okay, so let's talk about Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. I caught by random accident today a little uh, video clip where Nate Burleson of CBS and Bill Cower of CBS 
We're talking about uh, Nate Burleson. Let's see if I can play it, if you can hear it, and we can capture it and talk about it. In and out, DD bites all over it. He just throws into the stands. You know what? I'll take that fine when you have a game like this. Six receptions, 120 yards, and three receiving TDs. Now, here's the thing. Stephon Diggs, he might bar from the sideline. He even might have an attitude after a game. But when you perform and you produce like this, you see exactly why. Listen, there's no surprise that they just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, and Stephon Diggs was a huge part of it. Sometimes it gets misread when you see a guy yelling at the sideline. Sometimes that's not bad because it's important to him. It's passion. Mm. He cares. He he, he definitely cares. You know, so I said, I'd much rather deal with someone who's emotional state where he's so invested that it bothers him that he's not a part of the game plan. It bothers him that they're not winning football games. That's okay. You just want to channel at times because sometimes the optics are all right i hate that answer i hate that answer i hate that allowance i hate that obfuscation because here's the deal why stefan diggs on the buffalo bills stefan diggs is on the buffalo bills because the buffalo bills were willing to take him off the minnesota vikings hands because the minnesota vikings got their belly full of him and bill cower saying and nate i get nate burleson saying it i get it nate burleson's wide receiver he's you know, same mindset. So, of course, Nate Burleson is going to justify every bit of petulance from any wide receiver out there because he probably had elements of it when he was a player himself. He looks at it as a player. Bill Cower's different. Bill Cower's a leader. Bill Cower is a leader. He's a leader of a football team. And you can't make me believe that Bill Cower, as a coach, wanted a player acting like Stephon Diggs ever on the sideline. He said the optics are bad. It's a lot more than the optics, Bill, and you well know the optics are a lot worse. You know, well know that there are things a lot worse than the optics of Stephon Diggs just griping about not getting the ball, and they, and they pacify the, con- the concern by saying what? He cares. He cares. Okay. So, brownie points for that? Like, doesn't everybody on the team have a uh, responsibility to care? I don't give a guy special bonus points for caring. If you're on my team, I want all of you to care. In fact, I want you to care so much that if somebody else gets the catch, somebody else gets the touchdown, it doesn't send you into conniptions of protest that cause the team to fine you, which has happened to Stephon Diggs more than once and will most assuredly happen to him again. Because he is, let's be truthful, a selfish player. He would, it appears, from his actions and reactions, rather catch 10 passes for 200 yards and lose than catch one pass for 20 yards and win. Because I can do more. Great. You don't have to have the stats to do it. Maybe we can use you as a decoy. Did you guys watch Brock Bowers in Georgia on Saturday, how they use Brock Bowers out in the flat sometimes? And what do both defenders do? They see big old hoss Brock Bowers, and they both run to him. And what happens? The other guy runs down the field, and he's wide open. And Brock Bowers didn't get the catch, but Brock Bowers was responsible for the other guy getting the catch, which makes Brock Bowers what? A teammate. Not the star, not a guy who cares, not somebody who's passionate, not somebody who's invested. It makes him a teammate, okay? And you need teammates. I think Stefan Diggs 
is going to be a future problem for the Buffalo Bills because he's been a past problem for the Minnesota Vikings. And if a leopard cannot change his spots, then it's going to stay a leopard and it's going to be an animal that bites you. And what if the Bills are in a Super Bowl and the defense stacks its coverage to stop Stephon Diggs and he has a bad first half and he comes out in the third quarter and he's also maybe aggravated because he doesn't get a pass interference penalty that should have been called or he drops a ball or somebody gets away with something and he loses it right there in the middle of a Super Bowl and you got a situation on your sideline. Will Bill Cowher be all excited then because Stephon Diggs cares so much? My guess is no. My guess is no. My guess is the head coach of the Buffalo Bills and the rest of the Buffalo Bills fan base will not be excited about it either. So when you don't hold people accountable, when you don't have a common standard, and when you don't demand people rise to that standard, problems will develop. Stephon Diggs is a very talented player. Saw it today. Great catch. Great tackle-breaking ability. Look fantastic. Beat the Dolphins. It's all good in the world of Stephon Diggs today, but it is always, always a volatile mix in the world of Stephon Diggs. Now, uh, let me pause and do a couple ad things. We have had uh, numerous people who have said that they want to uh, know how they can support us. One of the ways, if you live in central Ohio, is if you need carpet or flooring. Uh, Soft Step Carpet and Flooring is the company that I am associated with. I do that because I really love uh, the uh, owner, and I also do it because I can make a check doing it. And if you would le- like that, you can go to brucehooley.com and find a flooring link, and you can fill out a uh, form that will allow me to contact you. I am, of course, now very deeply invested in my health. I have dramatically changed my eating habits. Goodbye, sugar. I had a wonderful meal today with two dear, dear, dear friends who love us so much who have both walked the cancer road. Uh, We had a long conversation about nutrition and matters related to nutrition. And so nutrition and natural products and getting toxins and all that out of my world is very important to me. And fortunately, as God often does, he prepares you for something before you're in the something. You don't know he's preparing you, but in hindsight, you do. I am engaged with an endeavor called patriotswitch.com slash Bruce. That is a marketing portal which offers you an opportunity to express interest in joining a private shopping club. Think online Costco, online Sam's Club, online BJ's Wholesale. A shopping club, like one of those three, not those three, but one but, but a, a shopping club that is only online, you shop online only, they manufacture and ship. That's how they control everything. They don't outsource stuff to Mexico, China, this, that, the other. They make the products. They are all made from plant-based products. They ship them right to your door. Oh, shipping's terrible. Shipping's $10.22 every month. Because their products are made in concentrates in some in some products, you don't have the big bulky plastic bottle of, uh, of uh, laundry detergent. You'll have a bottle about like this, and it lasts as long as the big bottle that, you know, you build biceps with. So patriotswitch.com slash Bruce, you can sign up. I will send you a quick text to say, confirm your interest. Then I'll send you a video explaining the shopping club. You'll have 10 minutes, all the answers, and if you want to enroll, you can, and you can cancel any time. Your monthly investment will be about $75, but it's not an additional $75 because you're already buying deodorant, 
toothpaste, mouthwash, laundry detergent, countertop cleaners, soaps. The other added benefit to being a member of this particular shopping club is the owner of it has thousands of acres of ranch land where he raises, grazes, butchers, and ships direct to you his own black Angus beef. It is the most delicious beef I've ever tasted. It is cheaper than Butcher Box, Omaha Steaks, Good Ranchers, and it's better than all three. And here's the reason why it's better than all three is because with Good Ranchers and all those others, it's controlled by whoever the rancher is, right? Whoever the rancher is. You don't know if that rancher has finished off his cattle with hormones or with antibiotics. I know that my guy has not because they guarantee that it will not have hormones or uh, antibiotics ever. That's why they call it never, ever. Everything you get, ribeyes, New York strip, steak tips, hamburger, everything you get is the one of the two highest USDA choice and prime beef ratings, which you can't even find in Kroger, Giant Eagle, Heinen's. You can't even find it. This is shipped right to you at a rate that is crazy low, and you can order a la carte, add-ons. It's amazing. The, the beef is amazing, and you can only get it through becoming a member, patriotswitch.com slash Bruce is the marketing portal. So check that out. Okay, so we've covered Stefan Diggs. We've covered the Ryder Cup and the poor broadcasting, the awful broadcasting. Uh, one thing I want to say about um, another leadership situation around college football, the Mel Tucker situation at Michigan State. I don't know if I'll be able to find the tweet from someone, but I had someone the other day who tweeted me about Mel Tucker and about how Michigan State is going to owe Mel Tucker money and that, you know, he's protecting himself with the Family Leave Act and uh, all this stuff. And, and look, I will say this. I don't doubt that Mel Tucker will end up getting money out of Michigan State. I think it is a deplorable reflection on our uh, contract negotiations and all this kind of stuff that colleges give away the farm because here is all Mel Tucker had to do to not get fired. He had to not solicit and he not had to not solicit sex and perform self-aggrandizing sex with himself on the phone while talking with a woman whose profile comes direct from the fact that she was gang raped and she now engages in everything she can do to prevent that attitude proliferating among young college men. Mel Tucker is hired to be a leader of young college men. He goes into living rooms to tell mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers why he is the ideal coach to lead their young men and to raise them from the kind of men they are when they are in high school to the kind of men that those family members want them to be coming out of college. Mel Tucker has a bully pulpit. He has mammoth resources at his disposal to challenge young people, to break them down and build them back up, to, to, to show them that individuality like Stefan Diggs is not the way to go, that collectivity is the way to go, that a team is uh, something that 
is great when together everyone achieves more. That's the acronym. But instead, Mel Tucker decided that because he's having some marital problems and because he had whatever physical attraction to this woman, that he could cross a line. And then he expects to be paid some of, if not all of, or a bulk of the contract that he is due, even though he was also, by the way, underperforming on the field. And I just think this is a demonstration of the irredeemability, and I wish it wasn't irredeemable, but I fear it is, of both our legal system and our athletic culture worship system out there. So uh, Mel Tucker, I find to be a pathetic, a pathetic example of leadership and he has poorly stewarded the platform he was given. And I would love to believe that coaches who have those kinds of platforms, the Ryan Days, the James Franklins, the Dabo Sweeney's, the Lincoln Rileys, I would love to believe that they care the most about the fact that they have the chance to make transformative differences in the lives of young people. But I think they care only about the money. And that's sad. That's really sad because you're failing people if that is all you care about is the money. All right, let's see where we are here on time. It looks like a really good time to transition to the faith portion of the podcast. The faith portion of the podcast is something that we do every time. I want to thank our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, for sponsoring the faith portion of the podcast. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, WETACKLELIFE in all caps, and you will get 15% off Hemisphere Coffee Roasters products. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters sources their coffee and their tea and their other uh, offerings direct from growers around the world. You can't get coffee from the grower on the side of a mountain in Ethiopia or Indonesia, but Paul can at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, and he does, and he ships it right to you, and it's awesome, and their mission is awesome, and their mission is good coffee doing good, and it certainly is doing that. Uh, you can get discounts on my pillow products by using my promo code BRUCE. That is something you can also do. Uh, but let's hit the uh, faith portion of the podcast now, and I want to make sure that I uh, label that uh, so that people know what they're looking at if they see us online and they wonder why is Huli talking about faith matters because that's what we do at the end of the We Tackle Life podcast. And I want to give you today a little quick story from chapter 22 of Matthew and Jesus' response which I think is a response that would be useful for us to be able to give, not just in a, you don't need to be a Bible scholar, but I think this speaks to the stating of clear truth in situations where people often shy from clear truth, and it doesn't serve anyone when that happens. So we're in Matthew 22, and you guys probably have enough knowledge to know, uh, even if you're not really somebody who goes to church all the time, that Jesus was not a popular figure, and he had these two groups of people that were against him, and they were always trying to make him look bad, and they were always trying to attack him and deny the fact that he was the Son of God, and he still is the Son of God, and he always will be the Son of God, and he sits at the Father's right hand because he died on the cross and rose to new life, enabling us to do the same. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're always trying to trip him up, which, by the way, what a losing existence that would be to try to trip up God. And they were bad at it, but they kept trying. So they came at him with this dilemma. Hey, in our culture, if a man dies, his brother is responsible for taking care of his widow. So we have seven brothers, Jesus, and the brothers kept dying, and they all married the same woman. We want to know, when they get to heaven, which one of them will be the widow's wife, uh, husband? Will it be the first one, second one, three, four, five, six, seven? Which one will be her husband in heaven? And Jesus 
did not suffer fools in this situation. Here is his response. Think how this response would cut off so many ridiculous arguments and assertions and fabricated scenarios in our world if we would just have the boldness to say what Jesus did. His response in verse 29 of Matthew 22 is, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Wow. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was a nice guy. I thought Jesus was not snarky. I thought he was patient with everybody. I thought he was a loving person. So let's explore that. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Let's break it down. You are in error. Wow. Does that mean? Well, you might feel like it hurt your feelings if somebody says you are in error. But if you are in error, and they were, and many people are today on an assortment of issues, it is doing you a favor to be told you are in error because I can't think of much, if anything at all, that good comes when you are in error. If you are going the wrong way on I-70, would you like the person sitting in the car next to you to not want to hurt your feelings and let you go the wrong way for another 300 miles? Or would you rather know that you are in error? If you are pulling out at a stop sign and there's a car coming and you don't see it, would you like for them to be kind and not call you out? Hey, watch out! No, I would think that because you were in error, you would want to know. Same with societal situations. Who gets hurt when people are told that delusional, incorrect ideas that they have are just fine because that's how God made you or whatever, some other such nonsense. They get hurt. They eventually get hurt. So you are in error is the first part of Jesus' response. And then he's going to tell them why they're in error. It is important if someone is in error to tell them why they are in error, to correct them. What is the mission and objective behind telling someone the reason why they are in error. The reason why you tell someone why they are in error is so that you are making an argument from authority, so that you're not just willy-nilly whiffing and winging it, so that you have authority behind what you say. If you have authority behind what you say, ideally, they will be better able to receive the truth you're going to give them and to see the merits of reordering their position. So Jesus said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures. You do not know the scriptures. That underscores the necessity for all of us to what? Know the scriptures. Know our Bible. Know what God says because it's his authority, not our own. The rest of the statement you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, why did he add or the power of God? Because the scriptures are where God articulates, details, delineates the power. You do not know the scriptures. The power is in me. I am desiring you to understand my power, to understand what I will do for you, to understand what how I want you to respond to my love for you expressed through my son at the cross. There's power. It's available to you. 
they're in the scriptures, so I want you to read the scriptures because that's where I share my power. That's where I share my insight. That's where I share and reach out to you in an attempt to draw you to me so that you know me better and so you can deal with situations and difficulties and challenges in your life. Imagine if you had a father or a mother who served in the military and they were called to action before you ever were born. You never met them and they gave their life for their country. But you found out from their surviving spouse back home one day that your late mother or father had written you a series of 66 long detailed letters preparing you for every eventuality in life, every crisis, every triumph, and everything in between. 66 long, detailed, wise, discerning, loving letters where you learned so much more about the parent you never met and you felt that you learned so much about them that you felt like you knew everything about every aspect of their essence. Well, you got those 66 letters and you never open one of them. You might open one of them. You might read part of it. You put it back in the box. You don't read it over again. Is that something that you think you would do? Well, that is what you do when you don't open your Bible and read it because it has 66 books in it. And every one of them is in there because it has a purpose in your life and in my life. And I read my Bible daily and I read it with a pen in my hand and I read it with a journal beside me. And it is amazing. As my friend Doug once said, the Bible is the only book that every time you read it, it has the power to change your life. And where's the power? In the scriptures, according to Jesus himself, who is God, so he ought to know. And that is why I love that scripture. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, it would really stink if you were unable to not be in error, if you were unable to find the power, if you were unable to access the wisdom of God. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that even to the guys who are coming up with these ridiculous scenarios, fanciful scenarios of a guy dying with the same wife, seven of them. Jesus doesn't say the power because you're a knucklehead is not available to you. No power for you. No knowledge for you. No insight, no discernment, no wisdom. Did he say that? No, he didn't say that because it is available to everyone. The letters are there. They're waiting for you to read them. They're waiting to change your life. They've changed mine. And I want nothing more than for them to change yours. By the way, I did get an email today. Somebody asked me about my latest blog at brucehooley.com where I said that I've had the fortune of making a lot of different pockets of friends at a bunch of different places that I've worked. I've worked some cool places and done some cool things. 18 years at the Plain Dealer, traveling with the Buckeyes, Holman Road, everywhere. Uh, five years at ESPN Cleveland, NBA championship, you know, World Series Cubs, all that was right at the end of my time there. Uh, the, uh, the Holmgren drama, and if you want details, you have to find it on Twitter, yeah. Uh, 
the fan in Columbus, a lot of great uh, stuff going on there. Uh, 2002 national championship covered it at, uh, at the plane dealer with uh, the Buckeyes over Miami, Miami news covered Dan Marino. I mean, I've been lucky. Okay. I've been lucky uh, to, to meet a lot of people. I wasn't the guy then that I should have been. I wasn't a faithful person who was in my Bible. I wasn't accessing the power. I was living my life on my own. So I wrote a blog about it the other day. It's called, why do I care? You can find it at brucehooley.com. And I'm, now explaining why I care so much about being authentic in my faith in Christ and putting it out there as I do, not to impose it on you, because I can't. Um, I'd love to enlarge the kingdom of God, and I would love to enlarge the kingdom of God, not because I want to put more seats in a church or more dollars in the offering plate. I want to enlarge the kingdom of God because I want you to experience what I'm experiencing in this most heightened, alert, excited, focused, amazed part of my life. And it's not because I'm imminently facing death because I'm not imminently facing death any more than, I hate to tell you this, you are imminently facing death because anytime you step outside your house, uh uh-oh, it could be your moment. I had no idea I was going to have a seizure at work on September the 12th. I had no idea the doctor would say that's a tumor and we're taking it out. I am not fearful one bit of the future. As I said, I am focused on my life potency, not my life expectancy. And my life has potency because of Jesus Christ in my life. And I want that for you. I want it for every single person I worked with, every single person I know, every single person that I was a jerk to once, twice, three times, 10 times, who knows. I had a temper. I was short. My language was bad. I was in the world. I was not living for Christ. I'm living for Christ now. And I want everyone else to have the joy of that. That is my mission. And that is my purpose. And I can't find enough places to walk it out. So uh, that is where we are. Uh, You can, uh, again, help us with uh, joining Patriot Switch or or expressing your interest, patriotswitch.com slash Bruce, soft step carpet. uh, Just go to brucehooley.com. You'll find everything there. And uh, I'm going to try to put these videos out. I really need help with the tech. If you are somebody who, like me, or if you're somebody who's like, I want to see if this, I want to see if I can get this guy frustrated or whatever. <laughs> if you can help me with the tech, look at this. I mean, it's like it's my, you know, I'm in my, it's not my mom's basement. It's my basement, but I'm in my basement. Uh, I feel it's more important now to get the content out than to get it out where it looks good. But I want to get it on Rumble. I want to get it on you, you know, not really YouTube, but I want to get it out where it looks good. And there's a blog right now at brucehooley.com. You can le- read the blog since the diagnosis of my brain tumor, uh, all the things that have been coming to my mind since then. And we'll put it on the Facebook pages, Bruce Hooley, brucehooley.com, many other Facebook pages out there. Uh, the We Tackle Life Facebook page. Just shoot us an email, we tackle life at gmail.com, we tackle life at gmail.com. Review us on iTunes, all those things all the podcasters say who know what they're doing. Do that, okay? <laughs> do that. Uh, I would, I really appreciate it, but I love talking to you guys. I'd love interacting with you guys. Thank you so much for your interest. Thank you so much for your support over the years. Thank you for your prayers. I feel the collective strength of the prayers and I'll keep you updated on my condition. Uh, stitches out tomorrow. So we'll lose the uh, hairy horseshoe scar. Well, no, we'll get the hairy horseshoe scar tomorrow, but we'll clean up. I think some of the dried blood, we'll get those 50 or 60 stitches out and we'll, uh, progress toward analysis of the tumor and how we're going to treat it. And uh, we'll keep on rolling right here on the We Tackle Life podcast. Have a great night.